right, what's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing? Merry almost Christmas. Uh, my name is Nathan. I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here. Will you just join me in welcoming those that are watching all across New Jersey at our campuses and online and on Facebook? What's up, everybody? So good to have you here. If you're watching on Facebook or Church Online, make some noise so your chat host knows that you're there. But listen, I'm excited. Today is our second week of our series, Share Christmas. We're actually going to be wrapping up this series next week for our Christmas Eve services on Sunday and Monday. That's December 23rd and the 24th. And uh, it is going to be an incredible time. And the ushers, I know, they passed you out these uh, invitation cards because you will not want to miss Liquid Church's Christmas Eve services. They are family-friendly. You're going to be singing some of your favorite Christmas songs. We'll have a photo, um, family photo booth so you can get pictures with the family, as well as a candle lighting service. And then Pastor Tim's going to share a message of hope and healing this holiday season. So you will not want to miss this. And you can get your free tickets at liquidchurch.com slash Christmas Eve. And again, we just want to make sure that we know uh, how many people are coming. So we ask that you can reserve your tickets there. You can do it um, online and you can find out what campuses and the times and all that. That way you make sure we have stuff for you and make sure we have enough chairs for everybody. Really, it's what it's about. But listen, who are you going to invite for Christmas Eve? I know that for me, I've been going to the gym this past year. And so I'm going to be inviting uh, one of the guys that works at the gym. I see him every day. We've been building a relationship the past year. So I'm going to have one of these cards are going to be for him. So who do you have a card for? Is it going to be for your barista? Is it going to be for uh, someone that you go to school with or uh, a co-worker? Who is it that you're going to be invited to Christmas Eve so they can hear a message of hope and healing this Christmas? In fact, last week, Pastor Tim kicked off our series by talking about how do you share hope? Sharing hope. Because oftentimes around the holiday seasons, we get these unexpected things that we don't really want, right? Whether it's loneliness or illness, addiction, um, loss, whatever it may be, we have these things. We're kind of wondering, God, where are you in the midst uh, of all these things that are happening? We're, we're praying for some sort of change or some sort of breakthrough, but we don't seem to see it yet. And it can soon drain us of all hope. But here's the good news is that hopelessness is not the last word. Amen? Amen. The last word is that we do have hope in Christ. In fact, his timetable is often not the same as our timetable, but his time frame is perfect. In fact, Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament reflecting on this, says this, that when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, simply meaning this, that Jesus is rarely early, but he's always on time. Amen? I mean, so whatever it is you're wrestling with, whatever breakthrough that you're looking for, maybe God will not answer in the time frame that you're looking for or in the way that you're looking for, but he is at work and in the midst of it. So we have hope this Christmas, so we can share hope. And so we are going to keep this theme of sharing today, but we're looking at what does it mean to share reconciliation? Share reconciliation. You know, I'll share this with somebody and they're going, what does reconciliation have to do with Christmas. Like, what is that about? And, you know, whether you realize it or not, reconciliation has kind of been embedded in our Christmas traditions, especially if you sing Christmas carols or if you've been exposed to any of them. In fact, today in our worship experience, we sang Hark the Herald, right? You know, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. My gift is I'm not going to finish that song for you. That's, I don't want your ears to bleed for Christmas. So, one of the things that our family likes to do is like when the Charlie Brown Christmas special comes on, you know, we like to watch it. And the way it ends is all the kids, Charlie Brown, the Peanuts characters, they're around the tree and they're singing Hark the Herald. And, you know, we sing this song over and over again. But one of the things that we may not realize, one of the things that we may just kind of pass over is that literally 
The message of Christmas is embedded in that song. Charles Wesley, the great hymn writer, wrote these words. He wrote, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners, what's that word? Reconciled. Yeah, right there we see this insight of reconciliation in the Christmas story. In fact, Charles Wesley understood this pretty well, that there is a gap between us and God. At one time, God, we were good with God. We were good with God. Humanity was good with God. But then we made a choice to step away from God, and they created this gap, this gap called sin. So God is holy. We are unholy. God is perfect. We are imperfect, and we are separated from God. So Jesus was sent into our world, sent into our reality to fill the gap with the cross so that we could be reconciled with God. So God and sinner are reconciled. That is the message of Christmas. But you know, reconciliation, it's not really a word that we use on a regular basis. It's kind of this big word. What do we mean by reconciliation? Is that the same thing as forgiveness? But, but here's the thing. Forgiveness is, is a little bit different. In fact, reconciliation is the next level from forgiveness. Forgiveness is you step on my toe, you say you're sorry, we're good, we move on. Forgiveness is a decision that we make. Right? It's an instant decision, but reconciliation is a process. Reconciliation is when someone does something to us and it actually creates a gap in the relationship. Trust has been broken. Goodwill has been eroded. And we need to fill that gap. We need to move closer to it. You know, I heard someone say this, that you gain trust in inches, but you lose trust in yards. And so when there is a breach of trust, reconciliation is we need to fill this gap and move towards that. But this can take time. It can be messy. It's not linear. And when you're dealing with maybe situations that are very, very broken and very, very hostile, there needs to be boundaries that are in place. I think of the woman who's being abused by her partner. And when she leaves that situation, and when she finds a safe place and she finds a safe support system, only then can she begin the process of walking through forgiveness. Because for her, you know, she needs to, to let go of that hurt so that she can let go of bitterness, so that she can be free of that person, so that she can move forward with her life. That's reconciliation. It's the process of, of, of slowly building that trust back. And there's some situations and there's some circumstances where you can never rebuild trust. But there are instances and there are circumstances when we have opportunity to kind of start to close that gap, that we should move in that direction. But it's not something that's intuitive. It's not something that's easy. It's not something that's comfortable. It may be even something that we're like, I don't know if we should do that. But when the conditions are right and we have the opportunity, reconciliation is a gift. It's a gift that we can offer to other people in our life. But it's a, it's a multi-layered gift because in many ways, reconciliation is a gift for us. It's a gift for us because oftentimes, you know, when it comes to unforgiveness, unforgiveness is the only time that we say, if I take on the poison, I hope to watch you die from it. But really, it doesn't happen that way. I was thinking of a friend of mine who had gotten married very, very young. And, uh, you know, the marriage ended up falling apart. Um, her husband was, uh, he cheated on her. There was infidelity, left her, abandoned her. It was really a, a terrible situation. And in the midst of it, she became very, very bitter, very, very angry. And so when other people were getting in relationships, were getting engaged, getting married, rather than being joyful and celebratory with them, she actually got really bitter and angry and vitriolic. She goes, just you watch. Just you watch. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna lie to you. He's going to break trust with you. And pretty soon you could tell that she had built this prison 
of unforgiveness all around her, and she was very difficult to be around. And one of the things you realize is that when you can actually extend forgiveness and take steps towards reconciliation, it sets yourself free. But not only is it a gift for yourself, it's also a gift for them. Because in the gap of lack of reconciliation, on the other side, there are people that want to move closer to you, that want to make amends. Maybe they don't know how. They don't know what that looks like. This past week, I was talking to a gentleman, and he told me, Nathan, growing up, my mom was abusive. She sent me to school black and blue. In fact, one time, she stabbed me with a pair of scissors. And, and, you know, over the years, my mom's gone through a lot. You know, she went through cancer, and, you know, she, she survived that. She became a Christian and, and, I, and I know that her life's changed. She's not the same woman that when I grew up. But Nathan, it's hard. Three years ago was the last time we talked. We talked. We had a huge fight about the past and what she did to me. And, and you know what? I, I know that I need to be reconciled to her. I know that that's what she wants. You know, she's got grandkids. She's never met now. But I don't know how to do it. It just seems so complicated. It just seems so tricky to kind of take those steps forward. But he knows that it's a gift to his mother if they can move forward at that. Not only is it a gift for us and a gift for them, it's also actually a command of Jesus. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, you don't consider yourself a believer, but there's all this psychological evidence that actually proves that there is actually health that comes with forgiveness, with moving, taking steps towards reconciliation. It's good for your overall health. And if you're a Christ follower, you are on the hook. You have to extend forgiveness. You have to take steps of reconciliation because God says this is how you demonstrate how I close the gap with you when you seek after opportunities to close the gap with others. And I think at times uh, it, it can be very tricky because at the end of the day, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're also a human being. And if someone's hurt you or someone close to you, it's hard to extend th that kind of grace and forgiveness. And it can often lead to some catastrophic consequences over the years. In fact, I think of a story with my own family. So, you know, my parents, they grew up in India, so uh, often when we were kids, we would go back to visit and see family members and friends. And I remember um, there was, I had these two family members, an uncle and an aunt, that had this Grand Canyon-sized chasm between them. They just wanted nothing to do with each other. It was super awkward. No one knew really why. And I remember uh, hanging out with my, with my aunt one day and asking her, you know, Auntie, I noticed that you and uncle, you know, you don't talk to each other. Like, what's going on? And she says, that man... That man's a snake. When he's ready to talk, then we'll talk forgiveness. But until then, I want nothing to do with him. I'm like, yikes. You know, and I'm really just, okay, this is clearly, you know, a tender issue. So, of course, I go to ask my uncle about it. I, I know the emotional IQ is low. It's gotten a little bit better. But so I ask him, uncle, you know, auntie seems really upset. Like, what, what happened? Like, what was going on there? And he says... He starts shaking his head. He's like, that woman. <laughs> tell you something. We know when she knows what she did, when she wants to talk about it, she can tell you what happened. Then we can find forgiveness when she's ready to, to apologize. So now I'm really confused. I'm like, well, she says this and she says that. They're not really getting me a straight answer. So I'm like, all right, let me, let me do a little bit of digging. Let me find out. You know? And so you know, Indian culture is very, you know, no one talks directly. It's all indirect communication. Some of you are like, I know what, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So like, no one, you know, no one knows anything. It's all like these side comments. And so eventually I, I kind of dig and I find a little bit what's going on. Here's the issue. No one knows what happened. No, no one knows. Like, you know, auntie doesn't know. Uncle doesn't know. All of their, all, no, the cousins don't know. No one knows. They just know there's this awkward silence that's there. No one talks about it. And they just, there's this chasm. But here's the thing. My uncle's a believer. 
He's had this experience where he goes, Jesus, thank you so much. You filled the gap between you and I. Can you increase the gap between me and her? Like, why? You know, my aunt, and she's a believer too. She's experienced the forgiveness and the grace of God. She's like, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and forgiveness. Now protect me from him. Keep him away from me. And, and you know, it, it's this strange thing where, you know, people are watching on and they're going, you serve this God that talks about forgiveness and he, he closes this gap between you. God and sinners reconciled, yet you say, you stand unreconciled. You know, this story doesn't have a happy ending because that I never reconciled. My uncle eventually passed away, and they're unreconciled. And it just kind of blows your mind a little bit because it's Christmas time. And one of the things we celebrate during Christmas time, again, is God and sinner reconciled, right? How he closed the gap by sending Jesus. But why do we have such a hard time demonstrating sinner to sinner being reconciled? Is there someone in your life that you need to close the gap with, that you need to actually share reconciliation with. Maybe you weren't the one who was offended. Maybe you were the one that did the offending. Maybe there's family members that are offended and that are far off that God's calling you to take a step towards. Or maybe there was a boss or a coworker and they stole your idea. They took credit for it and it's working its way into the company and you just feel so much anger and bitterness towards it. Or maybe it was a friend from college or high school that you guys were close, you grew up together, and you had this huge fight, and you haven't talked since, and you still feel the negative emotions. You can't even remember what it is anymore. But there's that gap that's there between you. Now, we probably know deep down inside we should probably, you know, fix the relationship, right? We, we should probably do something to kind of close that gap, but we have a list of reasons, right? We would never call them excuses, but they're reasons, right? We have a whole list, right? We've got a whole list. You know, we're making a list. We're checking it twice. Do we forgive? Do we not? Whatever. We'll just keep going, right? But there's always a reason, right? Oh, I can't talk to my dad right now. You know, it's Christmas time. I just don't have time. You know, you know I've got to make, a, you know, I got to make 3,000 cookies. I have to wrap presents. I have to trim the tree. You know, you know I, I just, I got to stuff stockings. I don't have time to talk. You know, and the truth is, my life's pretty okay. Like, I don't feel angry. Like, I don't need to reconcile with, with them. It's, it's fine. Or maybe we think it's going to be too emotional. It's like, I don't know if I can talk to my mom. I'm going to talk to her and bring up an issue. And she's going to be like, well, I, I'm a terrible mother. And she's going to go all emotional. And then I'll get emotional. And then I'll get angry. And I'll start yelling. And they'll yell back. And then my dad will call me and start yelling at me. I just, it's like a trap. I just don't want to do it. Right? Or we're thinking, you know, they're not going to care. My, boy, my boss isn't religious. Like, if I try to reconcile with him, he'll just be like, yo, it's business. Survival of the fittest. Like, he's not going to care. He's not going to reciprocate. Or, you know, the person I was 10, 20 years ago, I'm not that person anymore. If I go back and, and try to reconcile and try to, you know, it's almost like I'm going to reopen some old wounds. How are they going to respond? Is it going to trigger in me a reaction? It's going to go back to that guy who I used to be? We have all these reasons, and then Christmas time rolls around, and you've got all those parties and those gatherings, and you're going to see that person. And you've got to figure out ways to avoid them. You're like, maybe if I hang out by the eggnog at the party, I won't see them. Because who drinks eggnog, right? <laughs> and so we kind of find these strategies of how do I avoid them, or, you know, they're going to come over to our house, but maybe. But then you actually come to church, and you actually start to worship Jesus. And you start to sing songs like God and sinner reconciled. We start to celebrate how God closed the gap between us and him. 
And yet, we're wondering, you know, what do we do with these broken relationships all around us, right? You know, and if we really think about it, God had more reason than any of us to not reconcile with humanity, didn't he? He had no reason to. He could have started everything over again, but he chose to send his most precious uh, son to us. And he didn't have to do, you know, he didn't reconcile us to himself through an email or a phone call or an awkward conversation. He sent Jesus. And yet, when we think about what we need to do to get reconciled with other people, it's an awkward conversation or someone's going to get mad at us. We're like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to bury my head in the sand and have myself a merry little Christmas. And we kind of move on that way. But you know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote large sections of the New Testament um, after Jesus' resurrection. He was actually reflecting on Christmas. And um, he has these really insightful words about reconciliation that, you know, even though he doesn't use the word Christmas, he's really talking about what Jesus did. And he says this in his letter to the Colossians. He writes, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Y'all, this is the mystery of Christmas right here. The fullness of God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the cosmos, the weave together using everything, using protons and neutrons and electrons and all of those things that brought all of those things together. This God came into a form of a human being, Jesus. That's the mystery of the incarnation, God coming into our world. But why did he do that? Why did this God come into our world, come into our reality? Well, Paul goes on to say, and through him, to say this word with me, church, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through an email. Is that what it says? Oh, no. No, peace, it's peace through a well-placed emoji, right? Oh, no, it's peace through, through a letter or, or, a play, or, or, or a trip. No, peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, that's how this gap gets closed. This gap was closed when Jesus paid for our sin. What we deserved, he took on himself, and he closed the gap between us and God. And then Paul pauses, and he starts to talk to you and I, and he gets a little personal. He says this. He says, once you were alienated from God. You guys remember what it was like to be alienated from God? Maybe right now you, you feel kind of alienated with God. It doesn't take much. One weekend bender, and we feel alienated from God. One spring break or one bad night, we just feel alienated from God. And it's not like we quit believing in God. It's not like, you know, we stop believing God. It's just, you know, it just feels like, you know, there's a gap between us and God. We just don't feel close to him. It's like he's an alien to us. He's foreign to us. And then Paul goes on and says, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, wait a minute, Paul. Hold on here. Like, I know I'm not perfect, but evil behavior? Are you, I'm not evil. My behavior's not that bad. Then God says, it's probably worse than you think. Because anytime you don't love those that I love, anytime you're unkind to those who, I, who are close to me, anytime that you are, you, you are unkind and unloving to the poor and the oppressed and the immigrant, anytime you hurt those that are, are close to my heart, when you come to worship me and you think things are okay, things aren't okay because if you're unkind and you're unreconciled, then you and I have some issues. And after Paul kind of lays out this kind of dark reality, then he lays out the hope when he says, but now. Anytime Paul writes, but now, you know that something good's about to come. He says this, but now he has, what's his word, church? 
reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. And this is where the music changes. This is where the drum roll goes, takes place. This is where things get better. He says, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So now when Jesus sees you, he sees you as holy. He sees you as blameless. And anytime you commit a new sin, rather than accusing you, he says, we're good. He says, you're forgiven. He says, you're adopted. He says, you're part of the family. He says, you are completely made new. You don't go from, you know, going from better, from bad to worse. You go from dead to alive. That's what Jesus does for us. And the interesting, yeah, give God a praise. Amen. But here's the interesting thing about that is you and I leverage this all year round, don't we? We leverage the fact that God and sinners have been reconciled, that Jesus has closed the gap for us, right? Think about when we pray, right? We're like, Lord Jesus, I, I just pray right now as, uh, for traveling mercies. Our family's about to go uh, for the holiday season. Uh, protect us from New Jersey drivers and just the craziness there. Protect our plane or train or, you know, you know we pray, right? We, we, we assume that God hears our prayers because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of Jesus closing the gap at the cross, we have access to God because of his sacrifice. Now, how about when we commit sins, when we come to, before the Father and say, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? I gave in to addiction again. God, would you forgive me? I just blew up on my kids and I'm angry and I, and I need your help. I need your forgiveness. God, would you help me be honest? I have a hard time just having integrity with my words. Every time we ask God for forgiveness, you know what his answer to us is? It's yes. His answer is always yes because of what Jesus did on the cross. He took on your sin. He absorbed it into himself. He absorbed your sin. Anything you, you, any evil thought or desire or thing you've done or any evil thought or thing that you left undone. He took it on himself. Or how about when we experience loss? When someone who's died in Christ is gone. See, Jesus is, um, you know, closing the gap wasn't just for us as individuals. He actually came and rescued the entire created order. One day we'll walk with those that we've lost, loved ones, on the new heavens and the new earth. Or when we come and we worship, we sing songs to God, and we raise our hands and worship, and we get a taste of heaven right here on earth, it's all been enabled because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And in a few minutes, when we celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, to remember the gift of Jesus' death on the cross, we are reminded that we can do nothing without him. We're completely dependent on Jesus. Every single barrier, every incongruity has been removed. So we have full access to Jesus. We have full access to God. God and sinner reconciled. The gap is closed. And so Christmas actually brings up a very interesting question. Does the question of Christmas actually make hypocrites of us all? Where we acknowledge God and sinner reconciled, but we're okay leaving sinner and sinner unreconciled. What if this Christmas you gave a different kind of gift? Rather than getting, you know, stuff that no one really wants, that you pay too much for, what if you said, this is the gift I'm going to give this Christmas? Let's demonstrate what we celebrate. Let's actually demonstrate what we celebrate. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You know, Nathan, that's, that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, you don't know my story. 
you don't know how our daughter destroyed our family because of her drug addiction. What she did to our kids, what she did to us. Or if you don't know what my dad did to, to our family, you just don't know. But you know, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can approach God and ask him, God, are we good? God, are we good? And God's going to say, we're more than good. We're family. But then he's going to ask you this question. You good with your dad? You good with your kids right now? You good with your ex? And if we're really honest, our answer will probably be, mm, not so much. And in those moments, we realize, you know, we can't do this on our own. We can't demonstrate what we celebrate on our own. We literally need the power of Jesus to do it. It's beyond our own strength. But literally, it's something that God does in us and transforms within us. That's exactly what uh, Lou Zamperini find out, found out. Maybe some of you know Lou Zamperini's story. It's been written about in the book Unbroken or in the movies. But Lou was an Olympic athlete. And he fought in World War II. And while he was fighting in World War II, he was taken captive by the Japanese. And his entire time in that camp, he was tortured, he was beaten, he was burned. Anything that you can imagine was done to him. He said one of the guards focused just on making his life miserable every single day he was at that camp. And eventually the Allies came and they liberated everyone from the camp and uh, uh, Lou was free. But in many ways he was still a prisoner. He came back to the States and he was an alcoholic and he said he had nightmares every night about what would happen to him in that camp. It got so bad that his wife gave him an ultimatum. She said, here, either you get out of the house and our marriage is done or you come with me to go hear this preacher named Billy Graham. And so Lou went with his wife to hear this, at the time, unknown preacher named Billy Graham. And they're in Los Angeles. And he's in the back of the tent listening, not really caring. And as he's listening to the message, he's hearing about how God and sinner have been reconciled, how that there's this gap and how Jesus filled that gap. And something's happening in Lou. He's realizing, I can't do this life alone. I need Jesus. So he goes down and in that moment, he receives Christ, and he says something else happened that I wasn't expecting. In that moment, when I received Jesus, I had this desire to forgive the Japanese guards and officers that abused me in that prison. And for the first time in that moment, I gave up alcohol, and I no longer had nightmares because of the power of Jesus. And you think, man, that's a great story. That could just end right there. We're done. But here's something that's incredible. You see, he experienced Jesus, closed the gap between him. And then Louis said, I need to close the gap with others. A couple of years later, uh, Louis actually went to Japan. Like, here's a picture of Louis here at the prison where he was kept as a POW. Years later, the prison was transformed into a prison for prisoners of war. So all of his captors 
We're now in this prison. So Louis goes there and he looks at every single one of those guards. He looks them in the eye and says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Because God did such a work in Louis' heart that he's like, I, I, he forgave me so much. How can I hold back forgiveness? How can I hold back reconciliation? And he gave the gift of reconciliation, which was life-changing. It's life-changing for him and others. In fact, that's why we come to celebrate the gift of communion together. Where we remember that Jesus' body was broken for us and we remember that his blood was shed for us. That he suffered and died to close the gap. But not only that, we remember so that we can have the strength and the example to do the same for others. In fact, Jesus said that if you come to a worship service and you know there's something that's not good between you and someone else, you got to make it right. In fact, he says this in Matthew 5. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. Jesus says, hey, before you come and celebrate this meal with me, this meal of communion, you need to make things right. Now listen, I'm very aware of the reality that there may be situations where there will never be, there will never be reconciliation. But as Christ followers, we're called to take the step. And you know what? We're called to be obedient. We take that step. And whether people respond positively or negatively or don't respond at all, that's okay. Because we follow the example of the one who was crucified on a cross, the only one who is perfect, the only one who is innocent, and his words were, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he's called us to walk in forgiveness and to give the gift of reconciliation. So here's what we're going to do in a moment. We're going to pray. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you who is it that you need to take a step towards? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? And I know right now, all, you know, your, your list of excuses is coming out. Well, you know, they're not going to care. They're not going to reciprocate. They're going to get mad. But it's not about that. It's about what did Jesus do for you? And maybe in that moment, some of you are going to have to actually get up and make a phone call to make something right. Or maybe you need to shoot a text message saying, hey, listen, I'm at a worship service and I'm really experiencing God's love and I just want to say, hey, let's get some coffee. Or, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Love you. Maybe that's the step that you take. But what is it the step that you need to take to embrace the forgiveness and the reconciliation and the grace that God wants to give you? And after that, your campus uh, pastor, your campus leaders, they're going to give you instructions on how to celebrate communion. And we'll celebrate that together. But let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We, you are the spirit of conviction. You are the spirit of joy. We welcome you in this place right now. And as we are preparing our hearts for communion, not only that, we are preparing our hearts for the Christmas season. Show us. Who is it that we need to be reconciled to? 
Maybe for some of you, it's the spouse that you came here with because you had a fight on the way. And you need to take a step of reconciliation. Would you show them, Father, right now in the name of Jesus? And I pray right now that you'd give my brothers and sisters the courage if they need to make a phone call or have an awkward conversation, God, I pray that they would take that first step now, whatever that looks like. Father, they take authority over a spirit of fear that says, I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know what's going to be brought up. But take authority over that spirit of fear right now, God, because your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind, God. I pray, God, that as folks decide today to give the gift of reconciliation, God, I pray that they would see miracles. I pray, God, that there would be mending of relationships in households. Family members that haven't spoken for decades, God, may they come together now in the name of Jesus. Would there be reconciliation? Would there be healing? Would there be hope? I pray, God, that we would walk in it and embrace it. In Jesus' mighty and awesome name we pray. Amen.